Hello, hello. Hi. Welcome to Magical Rehabilitation. I'm Hex. And I'm Megan, and we're your hosts for for today, for for always on this podcast, I would like to hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Today we're going to talk about the Empress Tarot card, card number three in the tarot major arcana. So, yeah. Um, Megan, do you have any thoughts before we get into, like, describing the card and all of that? Uh, I'm... I'm excited. I know that the Empress, I know that every card, every card we look at in the Major Arcana, people are going to have some sort of gut reaction to it. And I know that that does sometimes happen with the Empress where it just feels like not, people don't necessarily always like the Empress because it feels like, oh, um, how on earth is this the, the symbol of creation right here? And so it'll be fun to kind of talk about what what we see when we look at the Empress and, and how how we might be able to kind of look at it in, in new and different ways. Yeah, that's true. People definitely have like a uh, knee-jerk reaction to the Sichet, you know, normative mm-hmm. representation of creation in the Empress card. But yeah. We, we definitely can talk about that. <laughs> but first, we should say, if you have access to a tarot deck, pull out your Empress card or even a couple Empress cards if you want. And um, that way you can kind of like visualize the card, look at it, see the things that we're talking about. But we're totally going to describe the card for you so that even if you're like driving or don't feel like getting it out or don't have a tarot deck, whatever, you can still kind of like have a mental picture of the Empress card in your mind. Um, So yeah, Megan, do you want to describe the card? Sure thing. So the Empress card is our third card. So you see a number three up at the top on the Rider Waite deck. Um, The Empress Really, the thing that you're most drawn to is a woman sitting in the center of the card. Um, She's wearing a long gown that is white with, um, guess what, pomegranates. (laughs) If you've been listening, pomegranates pop up a lot so far. So the pomegranates are very much on her dress. She is holding a scepter of some sort that has a ball on the top of it. She has a crown of stars along the top of her head. And um, a little bit closer to her forehead, there's also a wreath of um, of leaves that, that are wrapped around her, her head there. Um, she has long flowing hair. She is seated... Um, and beneath her is a red, um, looks like a, I'm going to assume it's velvet because it looks very luxurious <laughs> blanket underneath her. And then she's got two pillows propped up behind her. So she has kind of a, a round, um, cylindrical bolster and then a big fluffy red pillow, um, propped up on top of that as well that she's leaning back against. Um, At her feet, you can see a bunch of wheat, and then behind her is a forest. Um, There is 
a tree, a bunch of trees that are very prominent, and then there's a, a river flowing through the trees, which then pools behind her. So you can kind of see that near her feet um, behind, in, the, in the background. And then uh, looking, she actually has red shoes on. You can see the toe of her right foot is, is peeking out in its red shoes. And then also on the ground, there is what looks like a planchette, um, and it has the symbol for Venus on it. In the center of it is green. Uh, the planchette itself looks like to be the color of Earth. Um, it is a gray color, um, which is the same color as the ground beneath her and the seat that she is sitting on. The sky is yellow, so um, the main colors in this card are yellow, white, and red, with some green from the, the trees and the grass in the background, and then the blue from the river. Anything else, Hex, that you want to mention that we're seeing on this card? So it's not a planchette, it's a shield, um, oh. and that kind of harkens, yeah, it harkens back to the like earlier, you know, medieval versions of the tarot deck where the shield um, was actually held in her hand instead mm. of being propped up against the chair. So it's kind of like a callback to that. Um, and it bears noting which hand she's holding the scepter in, right? Um, because again, we have the left hand, which is open. It's not actually up in a receiving position, but the left is about receiving and the right is holding the scepter. And it, the scepter is actually being held up toward the sky. Um, and that has symbolic meaning as well. So, and there's 12 stars. So. Good call. Yeah. I didn't even think, think to count all the stars. Yeah. Um, but there are 12. I counted them when I was reading, um, you know, like refreshing my memory on like the card. And they were like, there's 12 stars. And I was like, are there really? And so I sat there <laughs> and I counted them out. But yeah, so there's 12 and that has meaning as well. There, as far as I know, there isn't any specific meaning to the number of trees. Um, but yeah, that's, that's that. So that's what I would add. Let's let's dive into that one first then. What is the meaning behind the 12 stars since we're already talking about it? Okay, so the 12, well, you can kind of look at it on a couple different levels. So 12 is one of the auspicious numbers in um, Hinduism, right? So you have 9 and 12, 108, etc. Mm. So you can kind of think of that. But 12 represents the 12 months of the year as she's representing, you know, like fertility and like dominion over the uh, earth, I guess. So 12 represents the months of the year. It also represents the hours of the day because, as you know, it repeats itself. Right. And it represents. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So, yeah, that's the 12 stars. Oh, and the zodiac. So, yep, that makes yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Cool. And it's two tiers in contrast to the three tiers of the um, high priestess. So the two tiered crown means that it's closer and it's more of like the physical and the divine meeting together. So that's kind mm. of why it's not like 
stars, moon, you know, and laurel wreath, which is a callback to the Roman emperors, right? So it's like, it's, it's two tiers. So it's just earth and divine. Gotcha. That's yeah. cool. That's good yeah, to know. It's kind of like, there's, there's so much like, just in that alone, like there was so much that I was finding out about the crown and I was like, dang, okay. Like, <laughs> cause when you first like start picking up tarot, you just look at it and you're just like, okay, she's got a crown. Like, yeah, it's stars, sky, like, you know, she's like the empress, like fertility and all of that. And you just think like, like for me, I just thought like, oh, it's just like the natural world. And we look at the stars at night and I didn't really see anything particularly symbolic about it, but there's like a lot of historical callback that's there and just like, you know, magical and all of that, which like I said, I had no idea um, until I got deeper into it. So <laughs> no, it's definitely cool to see all of the different things. And, and like we've said before that, that kind of helps whatever you take out of this whatever little nuggets even if it's not a lot um maybe if all of this just flows right through your head and you're just listening to listen little things like that could pick up and you're like oh the empress connects the divine and the earth together and that's when we think about um creation which um is a big big part of of the empress is um when when we think about something being birthed, right? We're taking mm -hmm. something from the divine and we're birthing it into our natural world here. Um, and so that's a that's a great way to kind of see that symbolically on the card that taking it from the divine into the actual physical groundedness of where we are. Yeah. I also want to mention that the crown is kind of like you know, you associate a crown with, like, kings and this, like, divine right of kings and whatever, right? And what that's kind of representing is that this is a power that's innate in us. Her crown is natural, right? So it's made of a wreath and stars. So this is, like, divine authority that cannot be taken from you. It's inherent in you. So all of the power and the magic that you possess is something that you alone have that no one can take from you. So that's kind of that divine authority that cannot be usurped or taken away, right? So I like that. And that keeps showing up, right? We keep we keep showing seeing that in each card that we've we've looked at even um we're only technically four cards in and that keeps showing up time and time again. You have this power you have this ability you have um all of it within you to bring out into into the the world and it's it's so um such a great reminder um if yeah, you can yeah. if you can make that reframe it's such a great reminder yeah so let's move on to the scepter in her hand right that's mm. the it's right next to the crown so it's you know, same, same, right up there with the divinity and all of that. Do you have anything that you want to say about the scepter or? 
So I'm seeing the fact that it is a circle on the top there. And so I'm assuming that that is, um, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't have chosen that if it wasn't an important shape. But what I'm not sure is, is that, are we referring to the moon or are we referring to something else when we look at that circle? The earth. The earth. Oh, that yes. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so there is like, that as above, so below. And yeah, it's representative of the earth. And the circle is also like a feminine um, icon, right? So mm. you have the dual meaning of that being like the whole of, I want to say like manifest magic, right? So like your concrete magic and that action of bringing it into the world, right? the gestation of it. And then you have the, um, the feminine aspect of that creation and, and pregnancy with it and all of that. So yeah, that's, that's the circle, it's the earth, which I guess is more apparent in earlier iterations of the card. And in this one, it's just like kind of a circle. So you're like, mm. what is it? <laughs> like, like, oh, it's a scepter with like the ball, like a wizard stick or something. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, that's what it's supposed to represent. So, yeah, and and like you're saying, it it does very much reflect the crown again because we're pointing it up to the sky where divinity is, and we're saying here, let's bring this onto our earthly plane. Let's figure out how to how to make this show up. Let's let's bring this out there, and that I think is important to kind of talk about. Then the wheat that is at her feet. Right? So mm-hmm. wheat is very much a supposed to be a symbol of fertility and creation um, and bringing, um, you know, that that was a crop that really helped to make a big difference in, in the world, um, in, in where we are. And so the wheat is very important that that is the, the crop that, that we're showing here, right? I also like, I don't know if any listeners or anyone has seen wheat, but when it comes into its, like, grain status, it's actually literally a braid, which is just so, mm. it's it's so pretty. I don't even know, like, I just love growing it just to see the braid at the end of its, like, life cycle, and I feel like maybe that's not even in this card at all, but I always think of that. And it's like a weaving of the creative forces. And then, you know, the grain inside is called berries, like wheat berries. So, um, I don't know, the berries are always representative of that kind of like fertility and creative force as well. So I don't know, I just think wheat is like a super cool plant, but maybe that's like, you know, super European of me or something. (laughs) No, I mean, it is, what, what were, what was I, was it Michael Pollan did the documentary, um, that it was all about different, um, different food types. And one of the things, like it's, it was only a few, uh, it was like a short documentary type series. And they do talk about, wheat and bread and just how it is one of those things that it's not everywhere um but so many cultures have some sort of bread that they eat and so 
Um, wheat is very important to a lot of different cultures, um, and it can be very important. And um, <laughs> it's one of those things that in the U.S. we've obviously um, found a way to grow wheat in a way that is easier to harvest and it's a little less wild and it's a little more mm, feeling manufactured I suppose you could say um but that's not necessarily the way wheat has always been and so you can go other places and get wheat in a different state than kind of what we think of when we think of the homogenized wheat that we have in the U.S. Other areas it's not that way and it is able to grow a little bit more wild and um, be more similar to that the what we would call a more ancient version I guess you could say of wheat and how it, it can still be um, kind of that more wild not grown in a very rigid way that's supposed to be super easy to to harvest mono cropping um, yeah yeah so you and know so, what's yeah, interesting that's, that's about that is this interpretation of the card actually talks about the difference between like the technological aspect of things and just being like like the power to manipulate things right versus mm. the power to act upon things and to act to that magic into reality so it's interesting that you brought that up because this is quite literally part of what this card represents and you could look at it as like that's the reverse or the shadow side of the card right is like taking that action and exerting will over a force to get a desired result versus letting it gestate and take the natural course to get to where it needs to be. So like I had written down in part of my notes, um, Ishvara Pranidhana, which is like, I always just reduce it down to let go, let God, um, which mm. is essentially, you know, what that is, is just like, instead of, obsessing over how to cultivate something perfectly or the way the desired way you let go of the fruits of your labor essentially and just let them come into fruition and so what that means is you have to trust that the universe is going to provide to you what it is the seeds of your ideas and the action that you've taken upon them right so that's completely like this culture is that forcing of the will Versus the trusting of, you know, like the gestation period to bring it into fruition, right? So I think that's that's actually super apropos. Like, that was exciting. <laughs> yeah, and, and that is that is super important with the Empress is, yeah, that, that allowing. Um, and, and the wheat in this card is not. It's not upright in... All, all the pieces are not upright. It's not in neat little rows. It's just, it's just there. It's growing wild. And so that's really awesome to pay attention to and, and really see that um, along with our natural cycles, right? Because we've got, we're talking about all this coming out, but, and this growth, but she also has the pomegranates again, right? So we're still looking back at the fact that things have cycles and things also die, right? Our, our sign of the underworld, we've got all 12 stars because we go through a cycle. We go from um, spring 
to summer, to fall, to winter. So it all it all goes together in a nice little uh, little loop there. Yeah, and it's also like like again reflected on this card is the union. So you have the growth of the wheat, and you have the pomegranates representing that kind of death rebirth cycle. You have the you know scepter and the crown which is just kind of like about the divin the divinity and then you have the wheat which is representing like you know the manifest the physical reality of that and the pomegranates like can also represent blood and the blood mm. is that vital force the flow of like all of those things and so without the flow you don't have the action right so you yep. have to be able to let things flow in order to have that come into fruition without that without that you don't have what it is that you're trying to gestate what you're trying to birth right yeah and the blanket underneath her kind of makes me think of blood too then right because it's mm -hmm. not just a flat when you're looking at it it's not just a flat blanket like it's it looks like it's flowing over the edge that she's sitting on. And so she's she's sitting on the life force creation, right? She's sitting on the thing that um, helps without the blood pumping through your veins, you're no longer there, right? That is your, yeah. the life force that keeps your body together. And so she um, she's sitting on on that that blanket that looks like that and it, it comes back to that and then you can see in the river behind her that also is very clearly flowing the way mm. that it's been drawn you can see where it hits the the water hits the pool underneath it's splashing up and so um while she is sitting still there's a lot of movement in this card yeah definitely and that movement is that process of birth it's not like birth is not a static thing from conception all the way through to, you know, like the moment of transition when the head is crowning, all of that is so much movement and growth. And there is no stagnation in that process whatsoever. So that movement in the card, a card about birthing and like gestation and all of that, that is definitely reminiscent of that creative force that you're bringing into when you have like, the empress archetype right so i guess we kind of covered the pomegranates we covered the scepter the crown let's talk about and we covered the um the wheat right let's mm -hmm. talk about the shield yes yes why why does she have a shield um okay so the shield is in um it's kind of like reflecting back on the scroll that the high priestess had. So instead of having a scroll, it's like you no longer need to have the gnosis. You know it already, right? So now you have the action of bringing things in and you are giving kind of freedom to through that knowledge by having the action of the shield, right? And the shield on it has the symbol of Venus. Do you want to talk about Venus? Yeah, so Venus is a planet of love and creation and but there's all and abundance, but there's always hmm, I think it's funny because I think of Venus and Mars kind of go together in the sense mm -hmm. that you've got the female representation in Venus and you've got the masculine 
uh, representation in Mars. And they both talk about love, but they talk about it in different ways. So Venus is very much that nurturing way of bringing about love and abundance and that's what we're talking about here on the Empress, but also there's always a little bit of like, mm, you, you, you can be a little bit sharp if you need to. Roses have thorns. They are very beautiful and they are very abundant, but there's a sharpness occasionally there. Um, and that's why I like that it's on a shield, right? Because then you've got that masculine Mars bit. So Mars, everyone thinks of as war, but you go to war because of passion. There's a reason you're doing something. There's um, there's some other bit to it that you don't just go to war to go to war. There's a reason you're doing it and that normally is based on passion and fieriness. And so there's some sort of love underneath there. It's just more of an aggressive in your face kind of situation. People tend to think of it as sex as well. That's Mars. Whereas Venus is more the let's let's be love, you know, full of love. And so the combination of the two on that um, with the shield is very, very fitting because you've got the, let me be a protector. Let me, let me know that I am solid in my knowledge. The knowledge is, will be my savior. I know this thing. I can protect myself and protect and defend those that I am creating for those that I'm bringing out, those that, um, I am nurturing. I can protect them with my knowledge. Um, but you've got that nice masculine, feminine, um, balanced duality there, which is, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, you could also say that red is the color of Mars and mm. the shield is flanked by the red blanket and the bolster, um, that she's sitting on. Right. And so there's kind of that there. And I think I mentioned it earlier, but the shield is a callback to earlier iterations of the tarot. Um, but there used to be an Eagle on the shield Hmm. And the eagle was representative of, like, the Roman Empire. And so having that shield was kind of, like, about that, you know, like like you were saying, the passion, the war, the dominion over, like, the concrete, right? So I like that. And I also, like, it brought up when you were talking, um, like, the Bhagavad Gita, that's what I was thinking about is mm. that kind of um, Arjuna is hesitant to go to war. He doesn't want to go because he doesn't want to fight people. And he's talking about how it's harmful and how that's like totally antithetical to like yoga. Right. But then he's having the conversation with Krishna, who's telling him, you know what, actually when you're, in alignment with your dharma and when you're doing the right thing it doesn't matter what you're doing because it's the right thing and doing the right thing is what's most important even if it seems harmful on the surface that's just the ego talking because the ego wants to prevent you from living into your dharma and doing the right thing and so i'm thinking about all of that and the ego represented it this is like i don't think this is what it was but that eagle could also be you know the um i forget his name i can only think of the yoga the yoga pose garudasana right so garuda um it could also be the the charioteer for mm -hmm. arjuna right so and hanuman is also there but i'm not talking about him so you know <laughs> but 
it's reminding me of that because that is what the essence of that shield represents is it's about the like the action that's in alignment with truth and liberty and all of these high values almost intangible values that bring into fruition and creation of this greater like freedom right so we're not just going to war passionately for no reason it's like we're doing it for a noble reason that's in alignment with the true self so yeah so many layers so many i know layers. it's unreal <laughs> and i feel like that then again ties back into that stream right so that is our our point of knowing right water symbolizes our own internal knowings or it it pulls in that intuition and so she's you know what you're bringing forth is something that you know within yourself needs to come out it is something that is true to you and your truth and that is what you're helping create and and bring out into the world. It's not just, it's not random. It's not just a thing that gets created. It is the thing that needs to come out. It is the thing that has a purpose for you. And you may not always know why we're creating the thing, but there is a, a value to it because it is the right thing for you to be creating. Yeah, totally. I think, um, I think that basically sums up the card. Um, the only thing I would add is that you can be reminded of what um, astrological sign this card is associated with, not only because of like all of the verdant goodness of the card. Um, it's also the little Venus symbol because the card is associated with Taurus, which I suppose if you are familiar with Taurus and all that that embodies, this comes as very little surprise, but... Regardless, that's the astrological association of the cards towards. And so. then if you need the reminder, yellow, the color that is the most prominent on this card, yellow is your creativity, your passion, what we're bringing out, and then red is that, that base information that um, the root in being grounded and, and being able to pull um, pull that creation out from a very stable and um, um, primal place. Yeah, right? we could totally talk about the way the colors are situated on the card too. Because if you look at like where the green is, it almost aligns with her heart. And green is mm. representative of the heart and like those feelings of love and bringing that love into self and, and the world around you. The red is at the base. Um, then you also have the water, which... Water is blue. The water is blue. And it's representative of like that higher level of, you know, I don't want to say thinking, but just that connection with the divine. And so the water flowing downward is bringing mm -hmm. the divinity down into the manifest world, which yeah. I think is kind of cool. And the creation is actually at the divine level. But this whole card is about taking the divinity as kind of like your right, right? And then bringing that into fruition. So a lot of this, even though it seems almost like reversed, right? Because the blue is at the bottom and the yellow is at the top. 
it's actually in perfect balance with the meaning of the card. Yep. And then that takes it from that, that previous step. So we were with the high priestess and the high priestess is able to take all that information and bring the information out, but the high priestess doesn't necessarily create with it. It's Mm -hmm. access to it. It's bringing that information. It's speaking the truth, but it's not necessarily taking that next step of creating from that truth. It is just the embodiment of the truth. And then this is the, well, I know my truth. I know the next right thing. I'm going to create that thing here into the world, into this, um, into this space. So that's where we are in our journey. We're going from having the tools and knowing we have the tools to create, being able to pull the divinity down through us and speak out And then we have now actually taking that divinity information and creating something in the world. Right. And I also see the high priestess as one who doesn't even act on that, right? Like Mm. that is just bringing it in and sitting with it and not even acting on it at all or speaking about it. It's just that process of like, like meditating with the knowing and the information that's coming in. And then the empress is that action or you're actually doing something with it. So you might talk about it. You might actually, you know, like start creating something, what it is exactly and where it's going to go. Well, that that's not quite where we're at yet, but that process of actually acting upon what you were sitting with previously, I think that's kind of what this represents. And I guess that makes sense too, because both figures are seat they're both sitting I'm like they're seating they're both sitting and so it's like yes you're still sitting with it but now you're acting on it instead of just taking it in now you're bringing it into an awesome yeah so what are your key words about this card so empress keywords for me are creation which I think we've said a bunch of times already while describing it um so I'd say fertility um and that doesn't necessarily mean fertility in the idea of um I am a woman and therefore I am fertile but more in the idea of like the ground is fertile you can you can grow Mm -hmm. something and bring something um to life and so fertility and then creation are my two big empress words nice i really feel like fruitfulness and gestation for me so the fruitfulness of the possibility of creation of creation of the process and everything and then gestation as a process as kind of like bringing something into fruition right so that's kind of where i think of what i think of when i see this card and i guess that kind of like leads us into that little side conversation about like the very um normative representation of femininity um in the rider weight tarot deck and in this card as well and it's like that gestation it doesn't have to mean pregnancy, even though a lot of times the empress is represented as pregnant. Gestation is just any period of time where something is being created. So even like the gestation period of like us recording the podcast, editing the podcast, and then putting it out to the world, right? 
that's its own gestation period. It's not just making babies, even though that process of making babies is one that is so sacred to the human experience because that's how we're made, right? So I think there can be beauty represented in that, um, even if it's like awkward, right? Because there's a lot tied up with that process of birth and womb and, you know, like pregnancy and so many feelings come up with just those terms alone, whether you've, you know, had a birthing body or not, whether you've given birth or not, like all of those feelings are just very loaded, I think, in our culture um, for a variety of different reasons. I don't know. Do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I think sometimes it does feel like, I think it's one of those things where it's what comes up immediately versus if you're curious about it, what do you see? And so sometimes you, it, it, there can be that knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, well, this card means uh, pregnancy and that's not for me. Um, which it just, I think sometimes, some, sometimes we see something so frequently in one way that we forget it can mean things in lots of different ways. People don't necessarily grow things the way that they used to. People get some of the idea of being a creative being kind of they're told that that's not valuable. That's not that's not the way to do things. And so you lose the idea that we can be cyclical and we can grow things that aren't just people. We can grow things that aren't just babies. <laughs> There's another process to this. There's another way we can um, foster all sorts of growth in all sorts of ways. But I think sometimes our brain, well, I know, not I think sometimes, I know that our brains are set up in a way to help us navigate the world as quickly as possible. And so that means that you pick up an association and you just have that because that's the easy, convenient way to do it. Um, and then that sometimes can create a barrier where it's just like, well, that's what that means and it can't mean anything else. Um, and then that can cause issues right because like what if what if you were someone who has had a negative association with pregnancy and now this card only means pregnancy to you because um it has not been you haven't seen it considered as something else in a different way and so then we have this um idea that oh well this this card is not for me this card is not good and there are lots of ways we see that throughout the tarot there are lots of ways that we've seen things taught in a particular way or we have a keyword associated with it and that's the only way we ever look at that card again um one that i'm thinking of that i can't wait to go and talk about is is the hierophant that's going to be a card that we get to talk about a lot about this because it's a similar thing um where where you can look at it in one very particular way and then be very caught up on just that idea um, and so this is one of those moments of get curious. Um, I think that's something both you and I, Hex, are very fond of, is this idea of curiosity. Looking at things through a lens of, yes, I have this reaction, but also, um, how, how does that really play out? Where is that reaction coming from? And how could I also look at this from a different lens, from a different point of view, um, just to see what else might be there? Absolutely. And I feel like looking at this card, we have to keep in mind that a lot of these 
ideas are like a hundred years old or older. Like when I talk about the shield calling back to older iterations of tarot, like that's like from the 1500s sometimes, you know, like, and this, the Rider weight tarot, I mean, this is from the early 1900s. So that's like a hundred years ago, maybe. I don't know exactly how old the tarot is, but it's definitely like up there. So when we're talking about archetypes and representations, we're going off of, and even modern interpretations of the tarot are still going off of this older idea. And the older idea is going off of an even older idea. And so like the role of femininity and womanhood in the tarot was coming from a more, I mean, I don't think a whole lot has changed. It's just different the way that it's represented, right? But like, it's coming from a different time period. It's coming from a different mentality. Even though a woman illustrated the tarot, which is kind of a big deal, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you still have this idea of femininity that is very much rooted in a patriarchal mindset in a way that you know, didn't include alternative genders um, to just the main ones, right? Like, it's like, there's so many things that could be said about that alone. But regardless, we're not looking at it as this like representation of like the culture so much as we're looking at it as a representation of an archetype of an idea. And how that's represented matters less than the elements that are represented, which is why we go into the symbology of the card. Because it's like, you can look at the 12 stars and get that that's about, you know, like the year and that whole process. You can look at the pomegranates and get that that's about rebirth. It doesn't really matter that it's a feminine figure wearing a pomegranate dress because it could just literally be stars and pomegranates. And that alone would communicate everything that you need to know about the card, right? So it's like, it is hard sometimes, like you're talking about the hero fan. Yeah, that card almost means nothing to me because of like my relationship to what it's representing like on on like an artistic level, right? But when you go into the deeper elements of the card and you go into the symbology of it and you go into the archetype of it, you can get so much more from it. And like, you know, I sometimes talk about people that, you know, the archetype represents to me. And it's like Dolly Parton, for example, total Empress vibes, you know, mm -hmm. it's like when you look at an individual and how they're embodying that archetype, then you can start to like see how that, that feels different in your, in your experience of the card. And like, we can even look at like masculine Empress archetypes too. Like if you think about like Snoop Dogg, total empress vibes you know like he has a whole programming for kids he goes and he does stuff with martha stewart like he he does so much community wise and just like you know total empress creation gestation just vibes you know like that is snoop dog you can look at like somebody like lebron james who gives so much back to his community um, Kobe Bryant did the same thing. Like, we're not just talking about um, people who are feminine when we look at this archetype. We're talking about people who embody so much more than that. You can talk about, um, like, Miss Major, 
I feel like total Empress vibes. Um, there's just so many people who are bringing into this kind of like creative community and just by their existence and the actions that they take, they kind of give us a freedom and a permission to bring into action different forms of that kind of like natural magic, right? I don't know. Do you have anyone who comes to mind? Um, Not as much. Um, all of those definitely resonated with me, though. As soon as you said them, I'm like, yes, people who are grounded, people who take their magic and they find ways to put out into the world the thing that they know will will be the thing they need and that their community needs and the support. Because there's a there's a there's a nurturing side to the Empress, right? What do these people need that will help them grow and thrive? So it's not always what can I create people. It's like, how can I also support the people that I care about so much? What can I give them? What do they need? How do I make that show up for them in a way that they're now nurtured and they're now um, supported in their best way possible? How can I protect them? How can I watch them grow and thrive? And so that's very Empress, very, I'm here, I'm here in this world. I'm going to make the best, the best thing I can possibly make for these people that that are around me for myself and for, for those I care about. So that's hardcore Empress right there. Um, for sure. And so for and me, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and it's trusting the process and trusting mm-hmm. the universe that what you are, what your idea is and what you're kind of like working with is going to turn into something that benefits yourself and others right so it's like the first book that dolly parton gave away the first couple kids that she gave scholarships to there was no guarantee that that was going to be the life-changing thing she wanted it to be but that was her idea she followed the process through and now she's continued to do that like for generations of people and for thousands of kids and thousands of families right so it's like those those processes of trusting that what you're bringing into fruition are going to fruit that is the essence of the empress card yep yeah and so you can definitely see that in your day-to-day where it's something simple as um you know making sure that um (laughs) it feels kind of silly but like lately um in our house, Devin's been making sure all the water bottles are filled in the morning, right? Because then everybody has the water they need to start the day off and hopefully continue that process all day long. And that's very empress to me because it's like, hey, here, how can I nurture you? I have this feeling that you're going to need this throughout the day because everybody needs it. And this is the support that you need right now. Let's fill these water bottles. Or, you know, having a garden um, is a very empress thing. What can I grow? Even if it's just flowers, it doesn't have to be food. What can I grow that creates beauty and joy for other people? Let me try growing flowers and just taking the time to actually go out and buy the seeds and put them in the ground and water them so that you can grow flowers. And you may not know what the garden's going to look like in the long run, but you're like, you know what? I think this would bring joy to 
you know, the people around me. This would bring a little extra beauty to my neighborhood. Let me put some flowers out here and see what comes of that. Um, and there have been plenty of people who have started community gardens that way, right? I don't know what's going to come of this, but if we start this space with just the bare bones of what we need, um, you know, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> Let me start this process and see what happens. Um, I know that this is a good thing to do. Let me let me keep trying. And so that's definitely where I get my Empress vibes is the trusting that, um, you know what, tonight's not the night for me to make dinner. Tonight's the night to go out and eat because I don't know why, but I can tell <laughs> that we need to bring this in from somewhere else. <laughs> so let's just eat out because I think that everybody's going to be supported better if we, we get something else and we have someone else help support us in that way. And so those, those are my Empress vibes for sure are the, what can I do to support everybody in a way that's best for them um, in myself, but while being true to myself, how can I support others while being true to myself? What can I bring to make their situation better? What can I do to bring, make my situation better? Sometimes I have to nurture myself. <laughs> Sometimes I need to, to take my shower now. Like I really, I really need to step away and support myself so I can support you better later. Um, and so that's, that's where I get my, my Empress vibes from. What are your real life Empress situations? Oh, I love that though. Um, you're talking about doing the Empress, like taking the shower now. It's like the Empress is seated by herself, not surrounded by a bunch of people. So that is very true that it is about what is going to make your life better and how you can support others and yourself because the Empress is just a singular you know, entity on the card, right? So mm -hmm. it is very much about self. And I think that's such a like, you know, important point to make. And then as far as like Empress vibes for myself, I mean, oh, that's a good question. I loved what you said about gardening. And I was thinking about like, how that whole process definitely feels super empressy to me. Like I always feel like I'm embodying, you know, like Demeter or whatever, whenever I'm like watering my plants. And um, I guess just like going about my day, I feel like doing those things, you know, where it's like making sure the laundry is done, making sure that everybody you know, is happy in some way that even, even just like simple acts of saying like, don't talk to me like this. I, you know, like, let's be kind to each other or whatever. I feel like those can be Empress vibes too. Like mm -hmm. giving compliments to other people, you know, telling people that you care, like expressing those truths, like, and boundaries, I feel like can be very empress -y. Um, just in the mundane way, like, and I'm thinking like, when I was working in customer service, I used to always compliment people like just like actual compliments, not not just like making something up. And I feel like that can be kind of an empress vibe too. It's just like the way that you interact with yourself, affirmations, and the way that you interact with other people giving compliments. Um, and just kind of bringing into fruition a little bit more of that like love and that loving energy and making manifest a little bit more of that divine 
you know, in every interaction. So, yeah, I guess my thing would be like the way that I speak to others and the way that I work throughout my day. And then obviously my garden, which I don't know if you don't know me, then you don't know that I have like a ton of plants and that I'm always outside in the garden, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always posting pictures of like my cactus flowers and my nasturtium. And I have like a ton of potatoes that I've like taken that, you know, like they sprout before you eat them. And so then I just plant them. And so my yard is always potatoes (laughs) and like potato (laughs) flowers, but I love them. And I love to like, Regrow. Oh, here's one. Here's an empress activity for everyone. Take, if you get celery, you can do this with celery. Um, you can do this with scallions um, or green onions, whichever you prefer to call it. Um, what else do I do? with? I definitely do it with those two. And those are the easiest and most rewarding. But what you do is you leave for celery, you leave the last inch and a half to two inches of the um, bunch you cut the rest off and then you put it in some water and then it'll start to regrow. Um, oh, I do like, this with avocado seeds all the time. And like then the bottom you, where it all comes yeah. together. Mm-hmm. So you basically what you do is you have the, um, the whole stock and they usually just break it off. Right. Yep. And then instead of like, which you can do, you can peel off the outside and you know, you have that like last, chunk that's white that's really bitter I mean I like to eat the whole thing and then in the center is the it's like the tiny little ones that you can't really eat yeah Um, so you can pull them off and eat them like that and then just keep the center part that's like the tiny ones that are aren't really I mean you can still eat them but it's not that enjoyable right so yeah and, and then you put that in some water like cover it about I'd say an inch you know, like, so that the top part is sticking out. You don't want to drown it. Right. So you put it in water and it'll start to grow again. I have like two celery plants that I regrew from like the supermarket celery like that. And then you can do that with scallions. You leave the bottom white part instead of cutting it off, even though it's really good. I like to eat the white part, but whatever, it's fine. You can regrow it. You put it in some water and do the same thing. You can do that with avocado seeds you put about half in some water, keep it refilled, and nine out of ten times it'll sprout. So those are my favorites to regrow, and that's like super empressy. There's your empress activity if you like to do kitchen magic. <laughs> Love it. Love it so much. <sighs> okay, so I think the last thing is if you wanted to do a little meditation, I would love to have it. Sure. Okay, guys. Let's uh, let's tap into some en- Empress energy with a little little mini meditation here at the end. So, deep breath in and out, just because we want to get ourselves a little bit centered. As you imagine the Empress and the energy she brings to you, think about the way that you can create some magic in your life by bringing that truth from within you out into the world in a way that nurtures others, in a way that supports yourself, in a way that brings 
a little bit of light, a little bit more love into the world. Feel the tight, any tension or tightness that you might have around this idea of creation. Are we worried that what we're creating is not good enough? That it's not the right thing? That we aren't the right vessel to bring it out into the world? Take a breath and let that go. Say thank you for your worries, your concerns, but I know I have the ability to create that which is true for me and needed in the world. Tap into the Empress. Feel your ability to bring forth the fruits of your own creation filled with love and wonder. That was lovely. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I love, I'm really loving being able to do this for, for everyone. And I'm loving our talks in general. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this podcast. We're Me four too. episodes <laughs> in and I am in love with our creation. <laughs> yes. Same. We're very empress with our creation. <laughs> we are. I'm feeling it. I'm loving it. This is fantastic. Okay, so now that we've created some self-love for ourselves and uh, for you guys, thank you for listening. I think we are done with this episode today. I think we shall wrap it up. Yeah, that sounds good to me. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you next week. Bye for now. Bye.